Greetings and good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hope you are well. And it's great to see you in God's house once again today. We give God all the glory. And we give God all the honor. The praise and the adoration. For he is God. Amen. Today we continue with our series on flourishing in difficult times. Flourishing in difficult times. You can call it flourishing in challenging times. You can call it flourishing in the battle. You can call it flourishing in whatever, as long as it is a challenge. So we're looking at flourishing in difficult times, part three. Amen. Amen. And without much ado, I want us to turn our Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy 34 verse 9. We are going to begin from there and then we'll read quite a few uh, scriptures before we come to the main text for today. Our study today, we are going to focus on the life of Joshua. You're going to understand that the name Joshua was actually a name that Moses gave him. That was not his original name. His original name was Hosea. When you read Numbers chapter 13, verse 16. It was a time when Moses had to send spies to go and spy the land of Canaan. And he had to choose some people. So when you come to the book of De- uh, Numbers chapter 13, the Bible says in verse 16, these are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hosher, the son of Nun, Joshua. So from that day, the name changed from Hosher to Joshua. And by the time you come to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 34, the whole of that chapter talks about the death of Moses on Mount Nebo. And uh, the Bible makes us understand that when Moses died, God himself is the one who buried him when you come to verse 6 of Deuteronomy chapter 34. So maybe let me begin from there, verse 5. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab after God had shown him the whole land of Canaan, uh, starting with uh, uh, Jericho. And, uh, and, and then God said, uh, this is the land that I said to Abraham, that I saw to give to Abraham, to give to Isaac, to give to Jacob. And uh, I said to them, I'll give this land to your descendants. 
And then he said to Moses, and he said, I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. So in verse 5, it says, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him, God buried him, in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. You find that Joshua was 110 years old when he died. When you go to the book of Judges chapter 2, if I'm not wrong, verse 8. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. More or less fulfilling Psalm 92 that we read. He says, even in old age. He shall be strong and he shall be flourishing. So we see it in the life of Moses that it's happening. And then in verse 8, and the children of Israel wept for Moses, wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses ended. So now it's over. Moses has died. He's gone to the Lord. And then in verse 9 that I asked us to open to, He says, now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. But since then, there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, in all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, before Pharaoh, before all his servants, and in all his land, and by all that mighty power, and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. So our focus is going to be on Joshua. So I want us to turn to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. I know I have said it before in church that the book of Joshua covers approximately 25 years of the history of Israel under the leadership of Joshua whom we have understood today that his original name was Hosea, the son of Nun. Joshua was a descendant Of Ephraim. Ephraim was a son of Joseph. Joseph was a son of Jacob. Jacob was a descendant of Abraham. So you actually begin to understand that Joshua was actually a descendant of Abraham as having come from the tribe of Ephraim. The tree of life version of the Bible approximates the time that Joshua led the children of Israel from around 1400 to 1375 BC. So in Deuteronomy 34 verse 9, what we see is that now Joshua has taken over the responsibility of leading the children of Israel After 
the death of Moses. By the time we come to Joshua chapter 1, God is now commissioning Joshua. And in verse 1, the Bible says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, as we saw in Deuteronomy 34, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. At some point, I will come back to this point when God says, now go over this Jordan. There is a point sometimes when you come into battle, as we are going to understand, that there is no retreat. You can't go back to the other side of the river Jordan. You have crossed, you have crossed. Amen? So God is telling Joshua, now you have to cross over. You need to get to the other side of the river Jordan. But as you will understand, on the other side of the river Jordan, there are battles. And the children of Israel can't go back. The only ones that were allowed to go back were the descendants of Reuben, and I think God and I've forgotten the other one who had their portion on the other side of the river Jordan. Verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man, verse 5, shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. So Joshua understand, when the battle is thick, I said, I will not leave you, I will not forsake you. Hallelujah. And Joshua understand, no man shall be able to stand against you or before you all the days of your life. Verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. For to this land you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. That you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. That you may prosper wherever you go. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. We read it, this book of the law, but actually this Torah. The five books of Moses. These five books of Moses, the Torah, shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate in it day and night, 
that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Hallelujah. So as you carry on from verse 10, Joshua gives a command upon these words. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I shall be with you. Be strong and be courageous. And have I not commanded you? Be strong and be of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua, I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. So now, cross over the river Jordan. So they get ready and they cross over. And verse 5 and verse 9, if you can, underline in your Bible, because those two verses are very revealing to what we are going to see shortly. And so now, Joshua sends out some spies and uh, Rahab hides them and she tells them the truth of the matter is as soon as we heard what happened on the other side the hearts of the people all over here have already melted. But even though their hearts had melted they still had to fight. Amen? And so later on by the time you come to chapter 3 now Israel is crossing the Jordan. And on the day that they were going to cross the Jordan, God spoke again to Joshua. In verse 7. I'm not going to read all of it. In verse 7 to 10, God spoke one more time. Verse 7. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day, somebody say this day. This day. Says, this day I will begin to exhort you in the sight of all Israel. Hallelujah. This day I will begin to exhort you in the sight of all Israel. That they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the ark of the covenant, saying, when you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you. And that he will not, he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hevites and the Perizzites and the Gilgashites 
and the Amorites and the Jebusites. My question to you church, who is going to drive them out? Church, I asked a question. Who is going to drive out the Canaanites, the Hevites, the Jebusites, the Gugashites, the Perizzites, the Hittites, and, and the Amorites? Who is going to drive them out? God. God says, I will drive them out. I will exhort you in the, uh, in the sight of the children of Israel and they will understand and know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you and you will surely take them over and, and because of this, you will know that the living God is among you and then he says, and that he will without fail drive them out. And I don't know if they understood that. I honestly don't know as we're going to see shortly. Then in Joshua chapter 4 verse 14, the Bible reads, Joshua chapter 4 verse 14, they have now crossed over the river Jordan and Joshua has taught as Asics one man from each of the 12 tribes to pick a stone from the river Jordan. And those stones exist to this day, by the way. So it is. They picked up the stones. They are called memorial stones. And Joshua is telling them that it will come a time when your children are going to ask you and say, what do these stones mean to you? And then you should be able to tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When, when he crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. That's verse 7. From verse 6 to verse 7. But I'm going to verse 14. So the Bible says, On that day, the Lord exhorted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. And they feared him as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. Earlier on, God says, this day I will begin to exhort you. And in verse 14 of chapter 4, the Bible tells us, On that day indeed, the Lord exhorted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. Now, it's nice to be exhorted. But you have to understand that to whom much is given, much is required. It's nice to say, oh Lord, exhort, and, and I'm going to demolish quite a few things today, which actually, as, when, I was, when I was looking at scriptures, I said, I think we've gotten it wrong. That's why I said I'll come back to some of the verses, and that's why I'm saying understand that the one who is going to fight is, is God, and is not the children of Israel. All these statements I've said are for a reason. Amen? So it's good to be exhorted. But now, what is very interesting, after God has fulfilled his promise, I will exhort you. And actually, you may be able to say, oh God, exhort me among my brothers. Lord, lift me up among my siblings. God, exhort me in the, in the nation. And, and God, exhort me and, and lift me up. And all, all the nice prayers that we pray. But I want you to understand something. To whom much is given, much is required. 
So now we come to Joshua chapter 5. Which is our main scripture. Joshua chapter 5. In Joshua chapter 5. Joshua is coming up. Against his first. And I want you to take note of that. There have been some battles before. But those battles he was fighting when Moses was a leader. But now he's coming up against his first daunting, unnerving, intimidating challenge. And the challenge that Joshua is coming up against right now is the fact that there have been many battles before that he has fought, but this battle he is about to fight is the greatest battle, is the greater battle than all the battles that he has fought before. And this battle that he's about to fight is the possible deal breaker. It's a possible deal breaker because Joshua has to prove to the children of Israel that he is fit to be a leader. Remember, God has already exhorted him. And all the children of Israel understand Joshua has been exhorted and they begin to fear him as they feared Moses. But now there is a battle that Joshua has to fight. And this battle is going to be a deal breaker. To, to the point that the children of Israel are going to say, yes, he has proven himself as a leader and he is fit to be a leader or he is zero. Amen. Something is very critical that Joshua must understand in this battle. Joshua as a hardened warrior, as somebody who has fought battles and won battles, he needs to understand that this is not his battle. And he cannot fight in this battle by himself. And we are going to see that Joshua must understand that God has shown up for this battle and is there with him right in this battle and Joshua doesn't have to handle this battle by himself. Joshua doesn't need to go up against the enemy in his own strength and if Joshua can just come down God is going to get some glory out of this battle. So let's go to Joshua chapter 5 verse 13. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Let's read it together. One, two, three, go. And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes, he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, no. But as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. 
And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Now, what I want you to understand, I'll try to dramatize it a bit. Understand that God has taught Joshua, no man. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. You remember that? And God has taught Joshua so many times, be strong and be courageous. Remember that? And God has taught Joshua, don't even be afraid. And God has taught Joshua, this day, I will begin to exhort you among the children of Israel. And they will understand and know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And now we understand that indeed on that day, God has exhorted Joshua. And now Joshua has been exhorted. But in the process of time, God is saying, but I will fight the battle myself. And all of a sudden, the first battle has come. And as he's about to fight against Jericho, the Bible makes us understand that who does Joshua see? A man. So Joshua goes to the man. And don't think that Joshua went to the man and go like, uh, so, who are you? Are you for us or our enemies? No. Joshua is a warrior and is a hardened warrior. And Joshua has won battles. And all of a sudden, Joshua takes out his sword and he walks over to the man. Are you for us or our enemies? And the man goes like, none. None. But I've come as a commander of the Lord's army. And what I want to ask to look at, we'll look at several things. Joshua is a hardened warrior. He has been tested. He knows how to fight. And he knows where his strengths lie. But Joshua doesn't understand. Shortly, you will understand. Joshua doesn't understand that your greatest strength in a wrong place can become your greatest weakness. Because Joshua has to understand that This is not man. This is God. And sometimes even ourselves as people. We have to understand that our greatest strength. When we bring it in a wrong place. And it's your strength. But if you speak anyhow. In any place. Just speaking. Speaking. It's going to become your greatest weakness. Hallelujah. Some of you, you don't need to be motivated. If we ask you to do anything, you just rise up and off you go. And you're just like Joshua. The blood is boiling all the time. And I want us to understand as a church and as children of God that you can't 
go forward with your feelings up your sleeves. You have to be able to tame your emotions, feel your emotions, control them. And when you are able to do that, that's going to make you effective in life. Hallelujah. Because Joshua is possibly thinking, you know what? God said no man shall be able to stand before me all the days of my life. And God said he will exhort me and he has exhorted me. And God said be strong and courageous. And God said don't be afraid. And who is this man standing before me? And he goes immediately to him. Are you for us? Or our enemies? He is thinking he is a man. And he doesn't know he is God. What do we begin to learn from Joshua? Many times, many times, when God starts training you, he trains you with the trouble. I thought you would say amen. Many times when God starts training you, he trains you with what? Trouble. He trains you with trouble. He will expose you to various degrees of frustrating situations. And some of you right now are actually undergoing frustrating situations. And you may think it's a devil when it is God. And what is God looking for? In the process, God wants to see whether you're going to behave like Joshua. Whether you come up and go like, are you for me or against me? There are many people you think are against you. Who actually, you you can't see God in them. Amen. Because even in all the bad people, there is some good in them. Even in all the people that look very spiritual, there is also some wickedness in them. Amen. And, 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 and. We have to be able to understand God, God, the training of God, most of the times, he trains us using trouble. He will expose you to various degrees of frustrating situations and in the process, he will critique your response so that you can learn how to handle particular situations. Joshua is a man of all. Joshua is the type that we engage in any fight at any time and only to find out later what the battle was about. I told you earlier on that some of us, the way we grew up, if, if people are fighting when we are young, we'll just join. We'll just begin fighting along, including Dora Miala and Kukenda. And only later on you discover battle was none of your concern. By the time I discovered it wasn't anything else that I needed to get involved in. And one of the things that God was telling me within this week, as I was meditating on this scripture, God was telling me Macduff, Matakulankula Oma because it actually comes out as your greatest weakness. 
So you have to learn to calm down and know when to speak and know when not to speak. Hallelujah. You can't just speak anyhow. Hallelujah. When you go through battles, this is a challenge. When you go through a series of battles in your life, you are inclined to fight. When you go through a lot of battles. So when somebody says, Macduff, your answer goes, Bunch. Or Chan. If your husband annoys you, even when he says, Honey, you're going to, What? If your wife annoys you, even when she says, honey, you go like, what? The fuse is ready to explode at any time because you have been inclined to fight. You have gone through a series of battles. So anything that comes up, you want to fight. And that's why Joshua goes before him and he says, are you for us? Or against our enemies. And sometimes in the process of fighting. You chase people from your life. Amen. Joshua. This is not a man. This is God. And I want to say that. Do not discern God. As being part of the battle. It's a horrific mistake that Joshua is about to make here because he thinks he is just running into a man and not God. Hallelujah, church. Joshua needs to discern that this one is God. This one is not a man. And if he does not discern that, that God is part of the battle, And a lot of us, a lot of us, we fight alone only to invite God later because we want him to be part of the agenda. But I'm going to tell you something that the Lord spoke to me within the week. It's a horrific mistake we make. Most times we think the battle is ours. Therefore, I'm going to fight. And people hand it to us. They will know. They will understand me. They will know me. You don't know something else. You can destroy your family. You can destroy your children. You can destroy your marriage. You can destroy your church. You can destroy a nation. You can destroy destroy things. I was listening to a clip. I'm not going to disclose who. I was listening to the clip yesterday. Somebody forwarded me. And I know the person very well. And I know the person... I'm a And some of the things that the person said in that clip yesterday, I said, you need to get to the point of discerning in life whether you have to speak or not speak. Amen, church? And I know I've told people sometimes that you know what the best thing you have to do is? Just keep quiet. Even if you know I want to speak, just keep quiet. And it's very hard for women. Because women solve issues by talking. A lot of men can't even tell a good 
But a lot of women just talk. Because the sound they resolve issues. We need to talk. You need to vent. But sometimes in the process of venting, I rest my case. The challenge we have is that most of the times we are busy being practical and busy dealing with people, dealing with processes that we don't recognize God in our situations. But we must understand that there is always a spiritual principle to winning in life. I have been amazed with the way the way people have resorted to the issues of COVID-19. You know what? I want you to understand, church. I'm not careless. And as a church, we're not careless. We know COVID-19 is real. That we know. We know people have died. That we know. All those things we know. And we can get to the point of becoming so practical, becoming so busy, trying to find a way and find out when am I going to get infected, when am I not going to get infected, to the point that we can miss God in this COVID-19. To the point that we can actually fight. And, and it's the same with us. There is always the spiritual principle to winning in life. Now, if I was going to ask right now and say, how many of you, church, are going through a battle? You're going, if everybody stands up right now, some of you are going through a battle in your career. Some of you are going through a battle in your marriage. Some of you are going through a battle in your family. Some of you are going through a battle with your siblings. Some of you are going through a battle in, in, in your job. Some of you are going through a battle in, in the works of your hands. Some of you are going through a battle in business. Some of you are going through all sorts of battle. My question is this. Have you recognized God in your situation? Or you are busy becoming so practical and busy looking at the budgets, looking at the people, looking at the processes, looking at COVID-19, looking at that, looking at that, looking at that. Have you recognized God in that situation? Am I saying we should do nothing? No. We have to do something. Do whatever do something with regard to what you are facing. That's why with regard to COVID, we are putting up hand washing. You come to, even to our house, there is even a bucket outside. You wash your hands and all that, then you come into the house. So all that we know. And all of us, even as a church, we know. We have to do something. Why? Because we have to get engaged. We know that the Bible says faith without works is dead. But I also want to tell you that works alone are not enough. Amen, church. You need God in your goals. You need God. All the goals you are setting to deal with the issues that you are dealing with, I want you to understand that you need God. And you have to get to the point that you recognize God in that situation. Because otherwise, you can leave him out. Hallelujah. The hardest thing is when you are going through a challenge, you are going through a battle in life, 
and the hardest thing is to be able to distinguish and know what is your responsibility in that battle and what is God's responsibility in that battle. Because the challenge you may have is that you may take it over as if it's your battle alone. And my question to us as a church, with regard to COVID-19, I'll start with that one. Have we been able to distinguish and know what is our responsibility and what is God's responsibility? With regard to the battle you are going through in life, have you been able to know what is your responsibility and what is God's responsibility? In that battle you are going through in your marriage, in your family, with your siblings, in this nation, and all the things that are going on, have you been able to know this is my responsibility and that's God's responsibility? Hallelujah. We have to be able. Because every time when God says, I will do a new thing, Isaiah 43, 19. Do you know what that means? It means that God is going to show up in a new way. And you have to be able to receive him as he takes you into that new area. Some of the things I'm think, I've been thinking about around what is going on in the world right now. Actually, my thinking is that God wants to take people to a new level of their relationship of, of, yeah, of their relationship with him. And we may miss it. We can actually miss it. I am concerned with the fact that a lot of things we have cut them off. So we don't, some, sometimes we even struggle to pray together. Sometimes even when we say pray in your homes, I don't know how many are praying in their homes. Sometimes when we say, okay, read the Bible in your homes, do Bible study in your homes, I don't know that. How many are able to do that? But I want, you to, I want you to understand one thing. It's not easy for a lot of people to pray together as a family, to study the word of God together as a family. A lot of people struggle. And somebody say, a lot of people struggle. And the reason why a lot of people struggle is because we are one mile long and only one millimeter deep with the Lord. Our depth in the Lord is very shallow. But in talking and declaring and pronouncing and prophesying and decreeing and establishing, we are very good. But in our depth, we are very, very Shallow. And my understanding is that part and parcel of what is going on right now, God really wants to make people to get deepened with him. Will they trust him after redundancy? Will they trust him after being laid off? Will they trust him when the business is really going haywire? Will they trust him when there is no food in the house? Will they trust him when all these things are going on? Will they trust him? Will they be still and know that he is God? Will they be able to do that? I've been reading a lot of stories. And it's not only in Malawi. I've, I've read the stories of how people are fighting in the world. 
in, in countries like the UK and other places, actually they are saying that domestic violence has gone up. Because for a long time, the people were avoiding each other. I'm a tawira kunchito, we not tawira business. And a tawira kuchalich. But then all of a sudden, you can't run anywhere. This person you said you love, now you have to sit with them. And for some of us, we have been served in that there is no lockdown in Malawi. If there was a proper, proper lockdown, you were going to see things. And my understanding is that God wants people to really get deepened. And when God says, I am doing a new thing, you have to learn to recognize God's voice, even if he shows up in another form. Amen. One day the disciples thought he was a ghost. He was walking on the water and people thought he was a ghost. And Peter had to say, Lord, if it is you, then command me to come to you. So he says, come. And Peter actually tried to walk on the water. And something happened along the way and then he began to sink. One day, Jesus has resurrected. He is by the side of the Sea of Galilee. He, he is busy. Do, do you roast fish? You roast? Tamagala? It's roasting. Chako, chako, chako. So Jesus was busy roasting fish. I can now speak with confidence. He was busy roasting fish. And and do you know what the disciples thought he was? They thought he was a spirit. Until they said, can a spirit eat fish? One day, they think he's a ghost. The other day, they think he's a spirit. Until they say, can a spirit eat fish? When you keep doing new things with God, God keeps on showing himself up in new forms. Because you cannot put God in one box. God doesn't always do things the way he did them before. Hallelujah. And I want you to understand, we can say lockdown or no lockdown, but you can't lock down God. Because the challenge from all these lockdowns is that you may think you can lock down God. You can't. He shows up in different forms. And the key thing is, are you able to recognize him? Are you able to recognize his voice? You have to face new things in life. And I want you to understand, some things make you vulnerable. Some things make you very insecure. But it is those things that make you understand that you don't know it Or, you have to depend on God. And the only way you can depend on God is in prayer. Some of the greatest moments in my life that I have had is when I have gone through really hard times. One time I remember I was was with an organization called Teen Missions. And then Teen Missions happened to have bought a plot of land in Salima, very huge chunk of land in Salima, which used to be an MYP base. So we bought it, and we moved in into some of the buildings that MYP was using. We kind of renovated them, and then we moved them in. 
Now, in those days, somebody, let me use my wife. I'm not going to use wisdom and I'm not going to use uh, the battery. My wife could have been a spy for the Malay government. People in the villages were spies. They, they would go and report. So they went to report that the MIP is regrouping and in Salima, in Chiboka, they are coming up. You can't believe we had a Malawi army showing up with guns ready and the command was hands up. And we did hands up. By the time they were discovering we are only a Christian organization that has bought the land, it was late. We could have been short on that day if they didn't do hands up. And when you are in a situation like that, Malovu, the saliva dries up. And the only thing you can say is, Lord, save me. And Sometimes when you're going through things, and, and that should be our prayer with this COVID-19. We have to be able to say, Lord, our dependence is only on you. This COVID has made us to be so insecure. This COVID has made us to be so afraid. This COVID has made us, oh God, to be so vulnerable. And Lord, at this time in life, we can only depend on you. And I don't know how many of us have turned to the Lord and said, Lord, we are turning to you in prayer because we can only turn to washing hands and sanitizer and think sanitizer is the one that's going to save us. There are others who did sanitizer and sanitized before. It never worked. Is it good to do? It's good to do. But you know what? There is always a spiritual principle, a spiritual dimension, a spiritual paradigm to winning battles of life. Hallelujah. Amen, church. And I don't know how many of us have understood that we don't know it all. Somebody was being asked and said, okay, well, why is it that a lot of people have died in Italy? So the person said this because a lot of the, the greatest number of people in Italy, they are aged. So their immunity or their immune system or immunity, it's immunity, right? Or should I say immunity, right? Yeah, it's gone down. And because it's gone down, they are, they are very vulnerable. And then they said, but also they, there's a clip I watched and this, this is a group of doctors. And they said, the way you build immunity Sometimes it's your exposure to a thing. So you look at children. Children, I've got a niece. Uh, she's very young. Yesterday, my sister and her husband had to rush with her to the hospital. The reason is because currently, you cook spaghetti, you give it to her. It's as if she can't eat from the plate. She has to put it on the floor 
and eat the one from the floor. What is she doing? She's building her immunity. And this group of doctors says, you lock people down. What begins to happen is that their immunity begins to go what? Down. And the moment after you have locked them down, the moment they come out with an immunity that has gone down, and these doctors are saying, you will be shocked with the surge of diseases that is going to come up after all these lockdowns are over. Because the only way you build your immunity is you get exposed. Because the way was not keeping them away from Ananjawala. The way was not keeping them away from Anamimi. The way was not keeping them away, away from Anajna Magdaf. Actually, you would take them. And you know what? Some of the people were doing this in Dazungu. Because they want the children to build immunity. And I can, I can bet. You may be shocked to find out the deaths out of COVID-19 in Malawi are very, very low. I'm not saying it is. But I'm saying it can happen. Because possible by now, tabuira, tabuira, tabuira. And we are building the immunity. The answer may not be a vaccine. And if you are busy walking around, okay, in church. And those people who were busy in Blantyre with all those songs all of you are singing right now. You, you think those guys are insane? And all of a sudden, people go to the market, people go to the supermarket, and they get exposed to everything else, and the only place they think they can get COVID is in church. It is the exposure that builds what? Immunity. But we are not going to be careless and stupid. We will take the precautions, but after I have washed my hands, what about if it's in the air, and the way I'm opening my mouth? Can I wash my mouth now? The only one who can defend me now is God. Hallelujah. So we need to be a people that are courageous. Be strong, be courageous. But don't do things anyhow. Hallelujah. New challenges are a sign of progress. That now you're going into a new dimension. You're going into another dimension. But don't expect your old ideas about God to show up in, in, in your new situation because the God you need in the storm is not the God you need when all is calm. Hallelujah. He shows up in different ways. When we go through new experiences in life, the challenge we have is that we have a tendency of being afraid. And the reason why we are afraid is because we want God to show up the way he showed up before. So if he doesn't show up the way he showed up before, we think God is not there. God is in this thing. Hallelujah. God is in that battle. 
All of us need the Joshua spirit. All of us need the Joshua personality. There's a reason why God gives us that personality. So even though I say, he rose up and say, hey, but you know what? You don't need to kill it. Because there's a reason why God gives it. And I said already that there is always goodness. I want you to know, even the ungodly person you think about, there is some goodness in them. And even in the ones that you think are very, very spiritual, there is also some wickedness in them. Church, understand. The problem we have is that we want God to take sides. You know that God doesn't take sides. And, and I, I laugh when we say God show up. He's not. There's only one simple thing that God wants. We want God to take sides. But I want you to understand he doesn't. A narrow mind makes you think that you can fit God in your agenda. The fact that my wife is against me doesn't mean that God is not with my wife. Because sometimes we think because we are suffering, because other people are fighting us, and because and then the ones who are fighting us, they are with the devil, and those of us who are suffering, we are the ones with God. Actually, you may be shocked that God is not with you. God is not with them. And most of the times we say, God, please, show up, Lord. Oh, God, fight for me. He will not fight. He doesn't take sides. God does not take sides. Sometimes actually he uses ungodly people to make you understand that God is good. One day he called Nebuchadnezzar my servant. Sometimes God will use wicked people to bring you in track. And this COVID, God may use it to make children of men understand that he is God. Sometimes you can be listening to a radio advert and hear God in it. Some of the people who used to tell me, Macduff, you need to go to Malawi now. Macduff, you need to go to Malawi now. Were people who were not even believers. And you can begin to say, hey, the devil is a liar. You may be the liar. Amen, church. Most of the times we think if somebody else is fighting us, then God is not with them. It may actually be God. And then we are busy. God fight them. God fight them. God fight them. You know what? I learned in this that it's not about God being for you. I think that prayer, we should stop praying it. The prayer of saying, God be for me, please. God be for me, please. We need, I think, to stop praying that prayer. It's about you being for God. Hallelujah. It's about you being for God. Because you can actually be busy and say, God be for me, when you are all completely off tangent with God. I made to understand when I was doing this study, that the reason why David used to ask God and say, God, should I go or not go? Is because he wanted to be for God. And no wonder the Bible says, 
David was a man after God's own heart. The thing that David always sought after was the heart of God. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 37, 4, delight yourselves also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. It's because you delight in God. So my question to us right now, when we are busy, God fight for me. How close are you after God? Because with this COVID, actually we may find ourselves away and away and away and away from God. Amen, church. It's about you finding out what is God's agenda. It's about you finding out, Lord, how can I support what you are doing? So in this time, possibly what God may be asking you is to say, you know what, I want you to invite more people to church. Because at this point in time, with all that people are going through, you ask anybody else, can I pray for you? People are not struggling at all. People are, you call them for prayer, they will come. I, I, we need to pray. It may be an opportunity that God is saying, invite the people around your neighborhood for a Bible study, for a time of prayer in your house. Invite them to church on a Sunday. I can't, this week, I've been, I've been inundated with a lot of questions. Are you still meeting for church? I'm really missing church. I really want to come to church. You, this can be a time whereby God is saying, now the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I have put a situation in the world right now to make the children of men listen to the word of God. And you're busy washing hands. You're busy sanitizing. The only thing you gain after this is that you sanitize to the point that you were sanitized. You wash your hands to the point that only your hands look different from the rest of your body. You put a lot of face masks that this part of the mouth looks different from the rest. You can get absorbed in that and not see God's agenda. Now, if there is a time to witness to people, and people easily receive the gospel is now. Hallelujah, church. Hallelujah. Let me say a few more things and then we close. Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17. Joshua is going to go and fight Amalek. In verse 8, the Bible says, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out fight with Amalek. And I want you to notice what the Bible says there. Tomorrow, I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Underline that part. Tomorrow, I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Joshua understood that Moses is going to go on top of the hill and do what? Stand. That's what Joshua knew. But let's read that scripture. Verse 10. So Joshua did as Moses said to him. 
and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when Moses let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. Pastor Sunga, can you come? Uh, Isaac and, uh, and uh, Patrick, can you come? Take a chair, put it here. Pastor Sunga, sit down. No, face the people. I'll use you as my demonstration. Pastor Sunga, lift up your hands. Is that the way you lift them up? Lift them up now, nice. Let's see how long he's going to survive. It's also right to Naomi. It's your husband, I know. It's okay. Are they becoming heavy? They are becoming heavy? Heavy? Okay. So, Patrick, hold the right hand up. Isaac, hold the right hand up. This is what was happening. Joshua is fighting in the valley against Amalek. What Joshua is understanding is that Moses is standing where? On the hill. But Moses was not standing. Moses was lifting up his hands to the point that the hands were tired and heavy. And this man here, right now I can tell you that his hands are already heavy The only one, the only reason why these hands are still up is because Patrick is holding them up and Isaac is holding them up. And Joshua is busy winning the battle down there thinking that he is winning because Joshua and Joshua, he doesn't know his winning is because Moses is lifting up his hands on the Hill. And I want to say something. Some of you think that you are winning in life and everything else is going on in life because you are a good fighter. But you don't know the reason why Things are working for you is because somebody is interceding for you. You have no idea how some of us cry for you. If those who came for prayer yesterday, they will understand how much we intercede for this church. They will understand how we intercede for you. So some, for some in this church, I, I, I love it when I see people are bought cars. You don't know the kind of prayers we are praying. And then you think if I did mabanga business, net business, you are in a end, for you not good in your Some of these things is because of our prayer. For some of you to succeed in life, it's because we cried for you. For some of you to get jobs, it's because we cried for you. When you were not fasting, we fasted. 
and you were saying this battle is too much. We were like Pastor Sunga here. That others had to hold up our hand. There is something that happens in your life when God has put people in your life. And the little you could do is at least to give us a bit of respect. But because you think you're smart. When, when I see, I was talking to a brother, I said, I said, Pastor, just come. You don't know how some of us have interceded that you, you some of you in this church, you should get a plot of land. There was a time when I was, I was busy saying, buy livestock, buy goats, buy this, buy land. I was busy interceding. People were busy interceding. And then you found land and you thought because you found land. Don't you think that uh, that land was there all this time? Don't you think that others didn't see that land? You think you are the first one to see that land? Some of you, I want you to understand. It's this that is happening and you think you are winning in life because you are smart. You will see what happens when we stop praying for you. And we ask you to come for prayer, you refuse. But I can, this one I want you to understand. Children of God need to understand these principles. Some of the things in life, to everything you succeed in life, there is a spiritual formula. You have your first battles. And the first thing when you are facing a battle is you stop coming to church. You stop. And I always get amazed when people, that something is going on in their life, they hide from the pastor. Some, actually I can tell you, some of you really struggle to tell us that, pastor, I'm going through this. Because we haven't yet reached a level where you think we can. We pray. We pray. We cry for you. We cry for you. You have no idea the prayers we have prayed. When we hear you, you have gotten a new job. When we hear that you have When we hear you have done this, we say, we Some of us have walked from area 25 to city center, back to city center, we know how life can be difficult. And we know how a shoe can tell a story when you are walking on foot. When I tell you stories of eating cassava and surviving on cassava and in Kwan, I know what I'm talking about. And we cry. I was telling my wife the other day, say, one of my big cries in my life was to say, Lord, let my children not start life the way I start. Now, my son, he got his license two days ago, the other week. And he can think life is normal. You finish school, and then you get a license, and then you begin to drive. El Shaddai, it's my prayer. You understand what I'm saying, church? It's my prayer. It's my guinea pig. Let him stay like this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, church. It's because somebody, sorry, sorry, Patricia. It's because somebody is in the secret closet praying for you, crying for you to prevail over your enemy. Hallelujah. So Joshua has no clue what Moses is doing to help him. And when you are like that, you end up fighting the people who love you because your past 
has shaped you how you see your present. Release the pastor now. Let him go. Sorry. Sorry, pastor. They are called birth pangs. Hallelujah. It's because the way you've gone through in life, your past has shaped you to how do you see your present. So even if somebody tells you in the church, I love you, you think I'll even, even when somebody says, we pray for you, you think I know some days I've been crazy when I say, ah, why should I pray for you? The Bible says, love yourself. And then you love your neighbor. Your battle is your battle. Some of those things are just to say them. But I want you to understand, church. Some of us, we intercede for you. Let you can go on and go to my When we hear Mugunyosa, Managor Mambui, Mundundundu, Agana Ziwa, Minamaki. But even others, when they have known, they still say you are a fool. Hallelujah, church. But the reason why that happens, I understand, is because you have gone through a lot of battles to the point that those battles have shaped you the way you see the present. Amen, church. Your view and your perspective of where you are is shaped by where you have been. You were in a church where they abused you and then you come to KICC, you think we abuse you too. You were in a place where they took advantage of you and then you think we'll take advantage of you too. You were in a church whereby they, they, you had to call the pastor, papa, 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 and then you, th- you say, and then you think we'll do that the same to you. So you come to the pastor and you're already well guarded. So I can't say anything else. If I ask him, how are you, Pastor Sunga? It is well. What's really going on? It is well. Because you can't trust. Hallelujah. Please learn that as you progress with God, it demands maturity. Amen? You stop trying to use God for your agenda. Because it's not about you. The thing that you are up against right now is not about you. The battle is not yours. This COVID is not about you. The battle you're going through in your life is not about you. It belongs to God. But it doesn't mean that you don't show up for the fight. You show up for the fight. Amen? Why? Why does it belong to God? Because God is getting the glory. God is using you to get the victory. God is using you to get the glory. The thing that is fighting you is fighting God and therefore don't become God in the battle. Amen. Don't become God in the battle. Don't run against the enemy before you have an encounter with God. And that's where I'll begin from next week. Because sometimes... Battles make you physically tired, spiritually tired, emotionally tired, and all of a sudden, people start getting on your nerves. 
I want you to understand, if you lose anything from today's service, when people begin to get on your nerves, it is a sign that you need to spend time with God. When you are getting annoyed so easily, when people begin to get on your nerves and you feel like killing somebody, when things get to that level, just know it is it's a good sign that I need to spend time with God. Because the more time you are in the presence of God, the more you will get into a position of strength and not tension and not stress and not worry and not anxiety. And that's Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Some battles I said earlier. They don't offer you the luxury of retreat. The children of Israel, once they had crossed the Jordan River, they were not going to go back. The rivers, the waters in the river of Jordan were not going to stop again. It stopped once, you have crossed over, and now no retreat. So some battles, you have to stay there. You have to arm yourself and fight. But until you recognize that God is in the midst of that battle, you will not humble yourself and say, God, I'm here to save you. How will you use me to get the victory in this situation? Amen, church. So next week, what we are going to see is now I'm going to continue because I only covered this 13. I only covered very few verses there. I'm trying to show you something. I've only covered verse 13. That's all I've covered. That's all I have covered. And, and part of verse 14. But next week, I'll be answering the question. Why must the warrior, in spite of the skills that he has, in spite of the skills that she has for battle, the knowledge for battle, and I'm a winner, Kondo. Why is it that the warrior must still be faced with a battle that he or she cannot win through their skill set alone? Why? Why is it that we face battles? I look at my life, some of the things I've gone through in my life. Some of, all, some of the things I thought I got them worked out already. And I've got skills for them. And, and it's been worked out. And I think I can do it. But why is it that I'm still faced with battles that I can't only win with my skill set? We're going to see the answer from verse 15. Part of verse 14 going towards the end. Amen? And my prayer is that you're going to be in church next week. You're going to say, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to You just come. This, this thing, I, this thing, I, it, it was on my heart. And I'm saying, God, yeah. It, it made me understand that even for me to be where I am today, it's not just because I'm not going there have been some people, some of you in this church have prayed for me. 
One thing at least I know is that when I was really, really sick, people in this church prayed. Ignore the things I say, I know you prayed. And if you didn't pray, I wouldn't be here today. And if I cannot be grateful, I'm in trouble. Amen? So why is it that we're still faced with battles that we can't win? Using only our skill set. We'll look at that question next week. And then the following week we have men of honor ministering in church. And then the following week we have God the youth. The young adults ministering in church. And then fasting. Power be. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we want to thank and bless you. We want to lift up your name. We glorify you because you're God. Your name is highly exalted. Your name is highly lifted up. We thank you. We bless you. We lift up your name in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be magnified. Be glorified. Thank you, Lord. Because sometimes we see it and think that these battles are us. The children of Israel, you clearly told them you were the one who was going to come and fight and move the Hittites and the Hevites and the Perizzites and the Jebusites and the Gugashites and, and the Amorites. It was you. So Joshua, you told him now, I have come as a commander of the Lord's army. Forgive us for the times that we have fought battles and thinking that the battles are ours when actually the battle is yours. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we have not been grateful. We pray in Jesus' name that we can move from the mindset of thinking that God be for me and begin to say, Lord, let me be for you. What are you saying, Lord? Let me be for you. Let me serve you. Let me do, God, what you want me to do. Take me closer to you, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. That becomes our cry. To seek you more and more. To seek you more and more. To want to see you more and more. That even in the battles of life, we can say, Lord, how can I be for you? That we can have a heart like David, that every time we come before you and say, Lord, 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 should I go or should I not go? Should I speak or should I not speak? What are you saying, Lord? I want to be for you, Lord. Use me to get the victory for your own glory, God. Get the glory out of this. We pray in Jesus' name. Out of COVID-19, Get the glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Out of the redundancies, out of the challenges in our jobs, out of the challenges in our careers, out of the challenges in business, out of the challenges, the challenges, the challenges. Get the glory, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you. We bless you. We lift up your holy name. Lord, help us to understand that when people are against us, it doesn't mean that you are with us. Because sometimes we can be very far away from you. We pray in Jesus' name.
that Lord you help us to be for you instead of asking you to be for us. We give you glory. We give you praise. In Jesus name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Bless the name of the Lord somebody. We give God the glory. We give God the praise. In Jesus name.